Welcome to Building Ideas, exceptional people discussing inspired experiences that create an enduring impact on our communities. Building Ideas is presented by MSA Design. To learn more about MSA, visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com. Hi, this is Bill. Welcome to the podcast today. 2020 demands that leaders and institutions and corporations and sports teams and communities really have a level of forward thinking, servant leadership, and really focus on their institution and how to move forward. And today's guest has been doing just that, not only in recent times, but for years. And we're proud to have her on our show. Dr. Holly Sheely joins us as the Vice President of Athletics at Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky, home of the Pioneers. Holly's a graduate of Asbury University, where she earned her bachelor's, Eastern Kentucky University, where she earned her master's, and the University of Louisville, where she got her doctorate. She's been at Transylvania for over eight years and is the first female director of athletics at Transylvania and just the third female director of athletics in the history of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. As director of athletics, she's responsible for 27 NCAA-sponsored sports teams, eventing, cheer, and dance teams with over 420 student-athletes. Under her leadership, the Pioneers have seen construction completed on the Harry Stevenson Field and Pat Deacon Stadium, as well as the 4th Street Athletic Complex. She's been instrumental in the rebranding of the athletic department. They have a great branding system. Check it out. The addition and development of sports medicine and strength and conditioning staff, and a refresh of the Pioneer Club. Prior to coming to Transylvania, Holly served as the assistant director of championships for the NCAA at the headquarters in Indianapolis. And while there, she managed four Division I championships, as well as five Division III championships. In this role, she was responsible for planning and executing multiple championships in collaboration with hosts, NCAA committees, vendors, playing rules, media constituents, and national coaching bodies. Prior to coming to the NCAA, she served as assistant director for student development and championships at the University of Louisville, home of the Cardinals, where she was for over eight years. She also has previous experience as a collegiate coach, teacher, and mentor. And in September 2020, Holly joined the NCAA Division III Management Council. She served on numerous internal and external committees, including the Bluegrass Sports Commission Board, NCAA Division I Track and Field Committee, the University of Louisville's Commission on the Status of Women, the Big East Track and Field Committee, and the Asbury University Alumni Board. She's just a great human being. She is just a kind and wonderful person. Welcome to Building Ideas, today's exceptional person from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, Dr. Holly Sheely. Well, I think I think everybody... Um, when you end up somewhere, there is part of that that's luck. Um, I would like to say there's not, but I do think that is part of it. But I, I grew up in Louisville, um, was very blessed in that my parents, um, there was four of us, and they, <clears throat> they made it very clear from the very beginning of time that we were all going to college. And we were actually uh, first generation. My parents did not get to go. And so when it came to decisions to go into college, I remember – my mother uh, dragged my brother and I and my twin to uh, several different colleges to look at them that we had both put on our list. And, and the deal was, once you did it on our spring break, so what a joy. 
Um, but the other part of it was whatever school my brother wanted to attend, I had to also go in and be interested and he had to do the same. And so when we went to look at schools, there was a school that he had put on his list. And so, as I mentioned, mother said we all had to be excited about the other one's choices. And it ended up that um, I ended up choosing that school to go to. And I would say one of the primary reasons, it was really the first time in my life, as, as strange as this sounds, but to have been at a place where a female, uh, they... Asbury University is where I went, and uh-huh. a female was the athletic director and the coach. Hmm. And I had not had a female head coach, and I had not known of a female athletic director. And I had known from, I mean, when I was little, that I wanted to be in athletics. And so it was such uh, the time I spent with her that day and getting to know her and just really feeling like, wow, this I, this could actually be me one day. Mm-hmm. And so um, – you know, my parents, uh, as all private institutions, were willing to to help pay it for me to go. And um, you know, the kind of the story was written from there. Um, that I, I, I knew what Title IX was, but I really didn't know what Title IX was. And it didn't it didn't start playing out till a little bit later in my life that I realized, wow, um, a lot of a lot of women didn't even get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. When I first went to to Asbury. Uh, my father really wanted me to be a business major and I didn't really have all the guts to tell him that's not what I was going to do. And so I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take classes because I wanted to coach. And at the time the, the route to coaching was teaching. And so I was in PE and health. And so I thought, well, I'm going to take PE and health and I'll take business classes and I'll just, he'll be believing the whole time I'm going to be a business major because I'll be talking about business. But in reality, I'm going to get to, to do what I want. And it wasn't until my junior year, uh, spring semester, that uh, the president who just retired from Asbury, who at the time was the head of the business department, had an occasion to meet my father. Um, he had come up to a ball game, and he she gingerly told him that she understood why he's so passionate about me being in business, but that really my heart was not in business. And so... I graduated from Asbury with a lot of credits, um, but thankfully um, I did graduate with an education degree. And um, and so I ended up graduating uh, in a fall semester. So I went four and a half years because I played volleyball and uh, basketball and softball for Asbury. You know, how did your dad feel about this uh, conversation with the president? So I think, you know, when dad talked to, to President, well, now the, the retired President Gray, who's over the business department, um, he had, it, he t- it took him a little bit back because I think um, he, he just didn't want me to be in a career where he thought that I, I wouldn't be able to, to make the money. And, you know, I guess in one way he's right about that. You know, education's <laughs> not the, the wealth maker for sure. But I think he also understood from that day that there were things I was really passionate about, and she was able to help articulate that. So I graduated from Asbury in four and a half years. I ended up graduating in the fall um, because I was playing uh, volleyball and basketball and softball for Asbury and had to do my student teaching on a, on a, another half year. And so there was, there's really no jobs to be had in education in the middle of the year. I'm not sure I'd quite calculated that factor in that. You know, school systems don't hire people in the middle of the year. 
And um, but it ended up good because I was able to go to graduate school at Eastern Kentucky University. And at the time in Kentucky, if you were going to teach, you also and you still do. You had to get your master's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. No, no worries. And in getting, I thought, well, this will be great. I'm going to get my master's, and you know, they're they're paying for it. It was you know graduate school. I had a graduate assistantship. And so it gave me an opportunity to work in a little bit of different environment and do some teaching. That was what my GA shift was. And then, um, so I started that in January. Well, I graduated in December again. So now I'm here in the middle of a half a year. So I was actually right back in the same boat that I was before. Um, and so really that year, the, the state of Kentucky had passed the Kentucky Educational Reform Act, and they were hiring people to help with their testing. And so I'd I was doing that, plus I'd been hired by a local high school in Lexington to be their uh, softball coach, and um, that led me to probably one of the best experiences of my life, and and that was that summer was the Olympics, the 96 Olympics, mm. and um, a friend of mine had been connected with the Chinese Olympic team, and they were looking for someone else to come on board as a um, an assistant coach um, who was an American to really help them um, with a lot of the logistics. And so they approached me, asked me if I would do it. So for the month of July and most of August, I was working um, with the Olympic team at the Olympic Village, the Chinese team, um, which was just, I mean, a great, great experience. The Chinese ended up um, coming in second to Americans that year, but I got to see all the games, stay in the Olympic Village. So it was really an awesome experience. Wow. And then – I got hired uh, in August, and they let me, you know, continue with what I'd already had planned with the Chinese team. But then they uh, hired me at Lindsey Wilson College, a NAI school in Kentucky, to be their um, softball and volleyball coach. And ironically, as I was being hired for the job, I said, well, I would really like to teach, too. And so they, they, uh, I was able to do all those things, which was probably too much on my plate. but. Mm-hmm. Stayed there um, and, and coached volleyball and softball and, and really, really loved coaching. And um, I was decided about year five, it was time to start my doctorate. I really was wanting to do that. And at the time, um, the college would pay for me to do it. And so I started working on it actually at University of Kentucky, mm-hmm. which was a two-hour drive in the other time zone and then back and I I just didn't really feel a connection with the program and a friend of my parents who's a president of another university said to me hey Holly the only way you succeed in a doctorate program is you got to have a great uh, professor who's going to be over your dissertation and if you're not connecting with these people or the program you probably ought to move on Mm. and um, I took those words to heart and Started at University of Louisville in the Sport of Men program, which is a, you know, top program. I mean, it just, it's a great program. I can't say anything but great things about it. And um, then I was going two hours in a different direction in a different time. <laughs> um, and I had been at, at the current college long enough that I was permitted to take a sabbatical because I was actually teaching full time. And so they had allowed me to go on sabbatical. And when I went on sabbatical, I decided that I really wanted to take as many doctorate classes as I could. And at the same time, University of Louisville um, offered me, um, hey, I know you got to put, you know, you're going to be here. Would you like to work in our offices? You know, just kind of like an internship type thing. 
because I couldn't really get paid because I was already getting paid from the soda position on sabbatical. So I did that. And then they offered me a job uh, in May and said, hey, if you'd like to stay, we'd like to have you here full time. And so really the way I moved out of coaching to administration, it was probably a lot sooner than I anticipated. But the timing ended up being, you know, great because I could, again, somebody else was paying for my doctorate. So now Louisville was. Um, it allowed me to go back to Louisville. And my mom had been diagnosed with Parkinson's. So that was really important to me. And um, got to Louisville and started in compliance, which um, I still tell people today, if you're going to get an athletic, compliance is a really good route to go in. But for most people, they're not going to make their home there. Um, and I didn't either. <laughs> I stayed in it for a couple <laughs> years and then was able to sort of make a pass up to um, assistant athletic director over student athlete development and over championships. Both both I loved. And um, that kind of led me to the NCAA. And then from, you know, being at the NCAA, getting to do championships and really getting to, to learn what the NCAA really is. I think there's so many um, so many things that people believe about the NCAA. I think the, the thing they believe that's probably the most incorrect, it is a membership-driven organization. Mm-hmm. So when you don't like something the NCAA does, it's not just these people in Indianapolis. It's actually colleges and universities over the United States who are representing that organization. It's a big tent. And that was probably the thing that really drove home my time there. Yeah. Um, And then when I got to to, um, the NCAA, I loved it, met great people, learned a ton, but I really missed campus. And I really knew that my heart was was met on a campus at Division Three institution. When I was went to Asbury, when I first went there, it was Division Three, and so I really wanted to go back to that. And so the opportunity opened up at Transy, and it's been, honestly, it's been uh, a g- great job, better than I could have ever imagined. And I've learned so much in the last seven years um, that I, it, it feels like I just got there yesterday. Yeah, you rose up to Louisville, University of Louisville, and then you made the jump to the NCAA up in Indianapolis. You know, what did you learn at your tenure at the NCAA that has really helped you in leadership now that you're head of an athletics department at a highly regarded Division Three institution? You know, what did you learn from that that you think has benefited you now that you're back in Lexington? You know, probably, I mean, there's really a lot of things. I mean, I was only there three years. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it, it was really a, I mean, a learning experience. From the opportunity in championships, I got to work with so many different ADs across the country and so many employees at different institutions. And so you really got to see different people's style of leadership, mm-hmm. how they managed, you know, how they managed their staff, what they did with facilities, what, how did they believe about student-athlete experience. So, I mean, that in itself was unbelievable i mean some of the people even now who i regard as you know good friends within in my industry like you know don don stewart i mean i met her because of that um we you know one of the first championships i had was held at capitol and she was the ad there Uh, you know and i kind of go down the list illinois west end i got to know mike wagner and so it really allowed me kind of a glance into their life into how they were running things and maybe how i might want to do it um, you know, the other thing the NCAA, I think, does a really good job is it's run a lot like a corporate 500 in my mind. Mm-hmm. But 
they are really good about bringing everything back to the mission. Um, you know, that's one thing I've really appreciated and I still really appreciate about Division Three in particular. When there's discussions about Division Three, we're all, always going back and saying, okay, but what do we say we're doing and why do we say we're doing it? And I think that to me is something, I mean, I'm always thinking about with my own staff, like how do I bring us back to what, we're going to make this decision. Why are we actually making it? Mm-hmm. Is it about the student athlete or is it about something else? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I definitely learned that there. Mm-hmm. That is a common theme I've heard from many of your peers at the Division Three level that it's, you know, it's definitely still the spirit of the student athlete experience, right? Student athletes come first and then everything else falls into place. Yeah, and it's so, you know, I, I was almost at Louisville almost 10 years. And I, I did. I had a lot of great things. Learned a lot there. Had great experiences. But it is. It's a different world. And it's not that it's right or wrong. It's. It's what I think fits with people, you know, and where you are in your life for what you want to do. Um, you know, at Transylvania, I, student athletes. I mean, here was probably the thing that surprised me maybe the most. You know, at University of Louisville, you'd have a compliance meeting or student athlete meeting, and the students would get there. And it'd be a couple minutes before they're supposed to be class, and you're you're literally ushering them out the door. Come on, let's go. We get you got to get to class. <laughs> At Transy, hey, you're not done. 15, 15 minutes until the top of the hour, they're leaving, and <laughs> they're not even saying anything to you because they're going to be in class. Like that's not that's not even a question if they're going to class. What are you saying? You Holly? know, and so <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> well. I'm just saying it, it's a different it, and schools are different too, right? Sure, I mean, sure. it's a different schools, it's different priorities, it's different, um, it's different everything. So I think it's just, and you know, the people in Division One, and they got a lot of pressure. Yeah. They got a lot of pressure to perform, and I, I hope that the student athletes in Division Three don't feel that. Yeah. I hope what they feel is more of a an environment where we're trying to help them exceed on the court, the field, the pool, whatever it might be, and develop things that helps them the next four years of their life. You have had a tenure across Division Three, Division One, national office at the NCAA. So I know you've been to a lot of Olympics. You've been to a lot of places and experiences. You know, what's a key place, space, or experience in the built environment that's inspired Holly Sheely? Yeah, you know, I think... I think sometimes people discount that. Um, I actually don't. I think that where what you look like and where you are plays a big part in how well you perform. Hmm. Um, and I definitely think that about Transylvania. Um, you know, I, when I was at Louisville, I had such great opportunities. I went to the Orange Bowl, got to go to the World Series, um, both, you know, for the men, uh, Final Four for both the men and the women. And you know, some of the the neatest stadiums and arenas and all that. Um, But, and and Louisville, no doubt, has some of the best facilities around. But one of the things that I was really adamant about when I got to Transy is if we're going to ask our student athletes, come out here every day, I want you to excel. I want you to be your best. I want you to, you know, the list goes on. You've got to give them the resources to do that. And the facility sets the stage for that. Um, And it really makes them feel a certain way. You know, you, you show up at a, a place that is not so hot and doesn't, doesn't you know, isn't sharp looking, you sort of perform at that level. And so I have really seen that to be true. Um, and 
and I've seen student athletes, you know, you might, you might choose a school based on the coach, but I, I can guarantee you facilities make a difference. Yep. It's an arms race, isn't it? Even at the division three level. Yeah. And you know, I, we, we used to talk about that a lot when I was at Louisville about the arms race. We had moved from Conference USA to the oh, Big yeah. East. And, you know, I remember our women's basketball team was, you know, competing day in, day out against UConn. We go up to <laughs> UConn and I look at that facility and come back and we talk about what to do here. And so I do think there's a lot of that. And I kind of, you know, for me, I, and, I, and I know that's a part of Division One. And part of that, if you want to win in Division One, you're playing that arms race. I think in Division Three, it's less about a hope. Maybe I hope this. I hope it's less about the arms race and more about what. I don't care what you're doing at Rose Holman or Franklin or Hanover or all the other places. I want to make what we have here the best we can make it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think anybody on my staff would tell you this. I don't care what type of facility that we're talking about. I really feel like everybody has to treat it as if it's their own. And that means clean up after yourself, treat it with respect. And that that in itself makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody wants to go into a great facility and it be jumped up. Yeah. Um, you know, and that goes into marketing and branding, too. You know, you can you can spend a lot of money or you can spend a, a little money and do it well and it still really come off and, and look good. And so um, I hope those are some of the things that people would note that we're trying to do at Tree and Tea. Mm-hmm. And I concur. You guys have some great venues and... You've done a great job investing in those venues and making them really the top of your conference and certainly in the region um, with your peer institutions. So as an athletic director who's been in compliance at the NCAA, you know, at Louisville, which certainly they have done amazing things in the last 10 years, 15 years when they've transformed everything on their campus. You know, what are some trends or issues in maybe college athletic facilities, college facilities that you think are impacting everybody, you know, as the athletic director side, I can certainly talk from the architect side, but, you know, tell us a little bit of the trends and things that you like to see when you're planning and designing, you know, athletic facilities for student athletes and coaches, you know, at, at, at universities like Transylvania. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's always one of those things, I think one, and you, you all uh, do this as good as anybody, I believe. Oh, thank you. And that is challenge people who you work with to think about not not this facility this year or next year, but is it still going to be what you want five years from now, mm-hmm. eight years from now, ten years from now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is, in which I've, I've sort of seen this evolution. Um, you know, you, and it, we just finished a a fitness mm-hmm. facility. Mm-hmm. We we finished a campus center, which is this is sort of a sad story actually. Thirty million dollar facility just opened in august and there's no students to really go in so (laughs) there's that but um when you look at a facility you know to me is okay right now in our fitness facility when when we were talking about putting it together you know there's a lot of olympic lifting there's a lot of you know the the balls and the the free weights and the kettlebells and all that but I think you have to think, okay, I know that's the trend right now, yep. but that trend might not be the same. If something might take its place, how can I make this room so that, you know, 10 years, 15 years when I'm gone, they can still use this and still use it well? You know, and, and some of that's not, not hard, but, um, you know, maybe it's, I made the decision to put in plugs, you know, electric, electrical in more places than I normally would have because 
I don't know what technology is going to do to equipment that they may need more of that or more, you know, plugins or wireless or whatever. So I think it's looking at facilities from that kind of standpoint too. Um, and also from the standpoint of, okay, I know this is how many is on this team today, <laughs> but is that the maximum we'd ever have on this team? Cause I don't want to build a locker room and then find out we have five people more than locker room holds for a team. And so I think those types of things within a facility might seem minor, but they end up being pretty big. Um, and I think really engaging people who are rules experts and can really give you some good feedback um, is really important um, as you as you do a facility so that you, you do it the way that you really, you know, that it's, you know, the one thing I love, and it was already well onto the plans and already out there when I got to Transy was, they had begun the process of our, our track and field um, and our lacrosse and soccer and our turf facility. And I love the facility. It's beautiful. One of the, the best things about it is for a track athlete is the track and the field events are all together, which is yep. very unusual to see. What I don't like about it and wish I could have been there just a little sooner to have an influence on is that they put the, the jump and the pole vault um, pits they are in a direction that makes the wind have crosswind. Well, you would really not do that. You would actually make it, you know, the other direction. And so, you know, and that's kind of an important deal. I mean, we actually have to shut down our, sometimes our jump because of crosswind. Um, so that there's, you know, we're in a city with not a lot of things blocking. Um, so that's, you know, that's the one thing that I have, you know, when people talk about who, who do you want to help architect you know, be an architect here or help you with that. Yeah, and that's one thing, and I'm not just saying because I'm on your podcast. Yeah. One thing I've really enjoyed about MSA is that you guys already know some of those. Like, I happen to know quite a bit about track and field. That's why I know that issue. But, you know, we've talked about other projects that we're looking to do or we have done with you all, and mm -hmm. you all have been really good about going, hey, did you think about this? Yeah. Well, and um, I think that's really what you want with any kind of partnership. Yeah, and I think you're, you're spot on in that. Um you know, it's been interesting over the years as we've come in, you know, we have a sports expertise as part of our firm. And a lot of times we've come in to various clients, especially at the small college and maybe community level, where it's been interesting where, you know, a project was done five or 10 years earlier, or there's some preliminary work and they're transitioning to a you know, new design team. And we look at it and, you know, fundamentally, especially with sports projects, as you well know, you got to start with the dimensions and the rules and say, okay, <laughs> here is a field or a track or whatever, a court. Okay, what's the volume requirements around that, right? What's the three-dimensional requirements around that area of play or activity? And then you have to start with that and then back up. And I think that, you know, I think that there's there's plenty of great sports architects and, you know, certainly we do that work as well. But I think that's that's the differentiator, I think, between areas of expertise, especially in sports. You have to start with the rules, right? I know we talked a lot about the various venues that you've inherited, and I know it can drive you nuts a little bit, but if you start with the rules, I think generally you'll be fine in the end. So I think that's Yeah, it. and, you know, most people don't. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like that is like a, you know, that should be like the general rule. But, yeah. you know, I, uh, I shared with you when Transy had made the transition from NAI to NCAA, and one of the reasons we did the renovation to the softball field is the dimensions didn't match. Yeah. And so we couldn't host any NCAA championships there and the soccer field didn't match. And so, yeah. you know, I, it's really, it's really, it's, 
probably even more than fundamental to start there. I, one of these, this is an experience I had the NCAA that just has never gone away. But we were, um, I was over Division Three women's basketball, and this AD called me at a, a school, and their 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 school had had a phenomenal, like they had one or two losses for the year. They were going to be in the tournament, and they should be able to host. She called me on the phone, and this was actually a question that we asked, and this will make sense why why we had to ask this question. And it's very similar to all the questions that are asked in all the bids, but does your facility, does your basketball court meet the NCAA playing and practice rules? And she said no. And she called me on the phone. She's like, Holly, our court is a foot short, and our <laughs> three-point yeah. line is yeah, our three-point line is on the out-of-bounds line. And, you know, but we've had this great season. We want to host, you know, and I mean, I could hear it in her voice. She didn't want it for any other reason than those student athletes, but unfortunately they couldn't host. They didn't even meet the rules. And I thought, wow, you know, they just stuck to me like what a terrible situation, you know, that they were in and it could have probably been avoided at some point, you know, probably long before she was there, but could have been avoided. And so I would say, you know, that that's probably one of the things, that I saw the most happen is people didn't know the rules or didn't consult before they built. I tell you, it's, it's funny you bring that up. And anecdotally, especially at the small college and especially at the high school level with some of the venues we've worked on, I'm going to guess if we go into a existing venue and somebody wants to maybe resurface a track, right, or redo a football field in place as part of the big project, I'd say 10 to 15% of the tracks and the fields, like a football field especially, are not the right dimension. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and I know of one track that's 10 lanes that someone else did and we built a stadium around it and our surveyor went in and, you know, we're just walking on the site one day. I was walking with, um, I don't think it was Amy. It might've been Tony in our office. He and I were walking around and I was like, something's just not right. We should have them pull the lines. You know, when they're doing the survey, just have them run some, something's not feeling right about this track. Well, this 10 lane track is four feet too long. Oh. <laughs> and it was designed oh to host... And uh, long story short, I won't go through it, what district, but we told the district they weren't happy, um, but they went ahead and got a certified letter from the previous design firm. And to this day, I know that that track is not right. And so somebody signed off on something that's not <laughs> correct. But what are you going to wow. do, right? It's not my venue. So I'll probably strike this from the podcast because I don't want people calling. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's all, about, it's all about the dimensions in sports, right? It's dimensions and clearances and overrun and you know, vertical clearance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, when I, I was at, um, I was at Louisville, I was on the national committee and actually the chair for division one track and field. And, uh, how many schools had lighting that didn't meet the broadcast lighting requirements? Oh yeah. And you know, oh, had great yeah. facilities and then miss the light, you know, the foot candles. <laughs> and, um, and add so those extra I, poles is not a, you know, it's a hundred grand a pole. No. It's not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not. And, you know, at Transy, we have a beautiful, and you've been in there, the Beck Center. Oh, yeah. It's great beautiful. Venue. Great but building. One of the, the biggest snafus to that building mm-hmm. is they didn't put a loading dock in. Whoops. So, you know, how do you get, well, how do you get the fan? You know, we have big fans in the ceiling, and we, you know, we got goals. We're going to have to replace our goals probably in the next uh, few years. And somehow they're going to have to come up and over top of the, the, the arena go up and then down. Oh yeah, that's, and, that's um, a heck of a drop. <laughs> we, yeah, we got a new washer and dryers this last year. I mean, I had to spend all this extra money 
to buy a special lift to get it in the building and then to move it down in the building because of not having loading docks. So it just does make such a big difference if the person um, that you're working with knows sport or does not know sport. Yeah, yeah. And those little things drive owners crazy, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they do. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I have thought, man, I can't believe no loading dock. How did they think this was going to work? Or even a garage door so, off a sidewalk, right? Even something as simple as. Yeah, anything would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been well, nice. You can always take windows out, Holly. <laughs> you can always take out glass and run things through and then put the glass in. That's probably cheaper. Yeah, so. well, you know, this, uh, you know, at some point, the bleachers, you know, the mechanisms of the bleachers will go out and have to be replaced. You know, they're electronic, yeah. like all electronic things do. And I'm like, oh, I, I hope that day I'm long retired and gone <laughs> because I cannot deal with that here, I don't think, how we're going to get them out. Next generation problems. That we, that's what we call those next generation problems. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. It's left warm too. <laughs> you know, one of the other areas we like to talk about on the podcast is enduring impact. So as you look back, and you've touched on this a little bit, but, you know, who or what has had an enduring impact on you and your career path to date? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, Probably the, the people, obviously, um, Rita Pritchett, who was the coach and AD at Asbury, had a huge impact on me. Um, you know, it was the first time I'd ever seen a female in that role, um, which even as I say that sounds ridiculous now. But knowing that um, when I was hired at Transylvania, I was only the third female uh, higher ed AD in the state ever. Really? And so my coach was the first. So... Um, you know, just kind of, kind of tells you that we haven't gone as far along as as we would hope. But uh, she she definitely had an impact on my life, and unfortunately, she she's passed away now. Um, and I I just feel like, and obviously, I've talked about my parents. They they've had a huge impact on my life. Uh, both of them just through their work ethic and their values, and um, you know. They themselves didn't have the opportunities that they've given myself and my siblings, whether it be college or graduate school or whatever, yet they've never, ever not helped all of us get to those points. And so I think that it uh, says a lot about them. Um, and then I just think there's been, you know, it's um, people along the way, and it's different, right? I think there's different people I can just sort of pinpoint and go, wow. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that each, this person was in my life at this time and spoke into it. And then there was this person and, and um, who really helped me along the way and encouraged me. And um, and then that's, that's what I hope my legacy is with our student-athletes and our staff. I hope that I am that kind of servant leader that a lot of people have been to me and, and able to sort of point them to, hey, I think everybody, there's not enough good things said every day. There's plenty of bad said on social media and else, elsewhere. And I just want to be that person who who can speak positive to people and who can uplift them and who can be there for them and who can advocate for them and say, you know what, I, we can make this world better. And I'm here to help you do that. Mm, that's good stuff. You know, we're in, um, you know, we're talking about impact. We're in kind of a crazy time. You know, we've talked sidebar about, certainly the pandemic and the impact that's having on college athletics and higher education and society. And, and, uh, you know, certainly there's been some social justice, you know, um, racial reconciliation and protests and, and all of those, you know, kind of current 
um, issues. You know, how have those either separately or collectively impacted college athletics and, you know, how are they going to change that for the future in your mind? Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of forces all at one time hitting college athletics um, and hitting higher ed. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the enrollment of high school, I mean, enrollment of colleges is going down because, you know, there's not enough students. Mm -hmm. And so that that number has gone down. And, you know, so you're seeing a shift that the majority of students who are available to go to college are going to be south of, probably south of Kentucky. Um, You know, there's been so much in the news and the media about the cost of education and whether you're talking public or private school, is it really worth it? Mm-hmm. And the amount of loans and, and those types of things. Um, and so you sort of see all this kind of swirling together and then COVID sure has it made it better. And, you know, you kind of wonder where are we going to end up when this is all over uh-huh. and how do we find our place in the world at still in higher education and in college athletics. And, you know, I still firmly believe I mean, obviously, Transylvania, you know, the price tag is one thing. What you actually pay is another. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of been the evolution of private education. It's sort of like when you buy a car. You're not going to pay the thicker price. You're yeah. going to pay something cheaper. But perhaps that model needs to change. And um, it, and we're also getting to the point, you know, as you talk about social justice, um, where we haven't, and, and higher ed in general has not been kind to minorities. Mm-hmm. It hasn't made access to minorities. And what are we doing in that regard? You know, I think actually college athletics in itself has made a lot of inroads in, in allowing access to education, but we're all guilty of not giving them the opportunity to actually lead, mm-hmm. um, whether that be in coaching or administration. Um, and I, I think it, I, I think it kind of goes to this. I think there are many of us who are anti-racist. Or who are not not racist, you know. We say, no, I, I'm not racist. But are you really anti-racist? Are you actually out there demanding for change along with your brothers and sisters, those people who you believe that you're advocates for? Are you are we really standing up and taking the systematic systems that are in place that actually push them down? And are we making a change to that? And I, I know for myself, I've really thought about this a lot, and I know there's a lot more that I should be doing. And um, I don't know all what I should be doing. I know a lot of it needs, and Holly got to listen more mm-hmm. and find out what they need from you. But I also think it's, um, I needed to be a lot more intentional about making sure that I make a way for African Americans to have a, a role in our department, whether that be a coaching role or administrative role. I need to help make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that may mean at times we're having to make a system different than it used to be. And then that's okay. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So Holly Sheely, the leadership consultant guru, you know, what, what have you seen or learned in this journey that if, if you came into a company, it doesn't matter whether it's athletics, a private company, a public institution, you know, what kinds of um, uh, nuggets of wisdom have you learned that could help other organizations have an impact? Well, uh, hopefully, I, I hope I've learned a lot. I will say a couple things. Um, you know, I, I try to always remember this, that whatever you, whatever's on your calendar, whatever you, whatever you prioritize is actually what's most important to you. So 
so, you know, if we say diversity and inclusion is important, but we put no energy or time to it, was it really important? You know, if I say my relationships with the student athletes is important, but I spend no time with them, maybe it really wasn't important. And so I really, um, I really challenge my staff and myself to look at that. Also, you know, I think a lot of, I'm, I'm definitely in my life, I think, I've worked really hard. I've studied a lot. Uh, I'm not na- I'm not naturally intelligent, but I work really hard. Um, but the one thing I always try to do is regardless of what a person's position is, uh, whether they're the janitor or they're the president, I feel like everybody should be treated the same mm-hmm. and with respect and, you know, uh, treat others as you want to be treated. And I always say maybe treat them better than you want to be treated um, and see how that ends up. And so I think those would be my first two big nuggets mm-hmm. is those things for anybody. And then um, I do think what makes a big difference in any organization running well is the opportunity that people feel valued. You can't feel valued if you're not communicated to and if there isn't energy and time poured into you. And that gets hard. I mean, I say that, but yet that's hard for me too. I mean, I've got a staff of over 40 and so finding the, the time to, you know, make sure I say, hey, thank you. That was a great job. Or, hey, I really saw what you did with that student-athlete. Tremendous job. Mm-hmm. And so really trying to figure out the ways to continue to do that um, and make them know, hey, I really do appreciate you. And I do love the job that you do for us. <clears throat> I think that's important. Absolutely. Well, this has been great, Holly. Another question. This is a little bit of a. A Hail Mary I'm going to throw at you. Holly Sheely, the student athlete or coach, what's the greatest moment you experienced as a part of a team or leading a team? Match, competition? Hmm. You know, isn't it great that, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I certainly have. The older I get, not only the better of the student athlete I was, but the better records in my head we had. So I don't know if that's true. I don't think it is. I think it's just our memories get happier. Did you forget any bad times? Um, It's your paradigm, Holly. Make it what you want it to be. Tell me about it. I know. So, um, you know, I think one of the things I I really, um, I mean, I I am a, a, a true competitor. I really like to win. Sometimes I have to dial myself back on that, even with our own team, because I can see myself getting carried away. <laughs> but, um, you know, when I was at Asbury at the time, my senior season, we, you know, had like a 33-11 and 11 record. It was the best season that the university had already had. It was also I mean, it was really special. Um, and then it was, you know, it was interesting because when I started coaching, Lindsey Wilson and Asbury was in the same league, so I was actually coaching against my mentor. Um but I actually was able before, and, and I think in a, in a short amount of time, but be able to take that team and, you know, we had um, both in volleyball and softball the best records that, that that school had ever seen at that time. And those were really special to me. But I, I still say even today, and it's even true about the teams at Transy, when I look at where the student athletes I coach, what they're doing in their life today, and, you know, I see them on Facebook or they call me, it really makes me it, I don't. I no longer think about wins and losses. I think, wow, what a great person they have become, and I'm so happy I was having that opportunity to be in their life. And 
I think that now when I get a call from alumnus at, at Transy and, you know, they tell me, hey, Holly, I'm in graduate school. I'm in my last year of medical school. I think, wow, this is so awesome that we had something to do with how your life is shaping out, something positive to do how your life is shaping out. And so, you know, I think there's, I, I've been blessed to have a lot of great moments in sport and get to see a lot of great moments. But I, I'll be honest with you, at the end of the day, what means the most to me is actually how the people feel. And, I, you know, I say to people I hire at Transy, I don't really have a lot of rules. And, I, and the main goal for me is that when a student athlete leaves from Transy, when they graduate that day, they can look back at me and say, you know what, Holly, if I had to do it again, I would choose Transy. I would choose this athletic department and this coach. Uh, they changed my life. And honestly, if we do that, we have succeeded. That's a... That's icing on the cake right there, Dr. Sheely. That's icing on the cake. Well, I don't know if it is or not, but I do. I will tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm, it might sound a little corny, but it really is the best days for me. When you hear from alumnus and they, you know, they're doing well and they tell you, you know, hey, Coach Folks had this influence on my life or, you know, Coach Lane did this. That means the most to me because, I, you know, I feel like we actually did have an impact in, in the ways that we should have. Yep. That's great stuff. Well, um, again, thanks so much for being with us and taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to be with us. How, how do people how do people find out more about Transylvania? Well, great question. Here's your pitch. Obviously, Here's your softball right over the plate. Go. That's right. <laughs> uh, obviously, check us out on transysports.com. Uh, obviously, Halloween is coming up. I would like to say no better place to think of on Halloween than Transylvania. <laughs> Um, I get a lot of jokes about uh, Transylvania. Do we only play at night? You know, are we out for blood? You know, and I actually love them all. And, of course, our new mascot, the bat. Love the bat. We are the only college team. I don't know if there's any high school teams. The only college team is a bat, and so we are extremely proud of it. But i tell you what, Transy is a place where you can come and have the kind of education where you not only get your degree, but you actually want to tell people you graduated from Transylvania because that that has so much weight in its own to itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a place for a student athlete where I really believe it's an opportunity to, to surround you and wrap you with all kinds of support. And that support is meant to help to build you to the day that you graduate and for the next 40 years. And, you know, rather that's, you know, um, meeting our sports nutritionists and learning about how to keep you know, to do good sports nutrition or that, you know, having a great season because, you know, last, well, the 1819, obviously 1920 didn't have this, but 1819, we were the only Kentucky school in the top 50 of the Learfield Cup. First time Transy had been in that ranking. And, um, and then last year, you know, we had our volleyball team, uh, won the conference championship, went to, the NCAA's women's tennis did, men's basketball did, women's basketball did, men's and women's lacrosse were picked number one, softball was picked number one. I mean, the list goes on. And so we're, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm a huge competitive person. And I think that student athletes who will excel at Transy are kids who want to come. They want a stellar education, but they also want to be good. They don't want to just put their time in and check a box. They want to be good on the field, on the court, the pool, whatever it might be. And, and we have that kind of environment where we can do that, and we're really proud of it. Wow, that's a good pitch. 
Um, make sure you stick you around. Play? Make you sure still you got eligibility. <laughs> no, I got one coming in a seven and a half years. So stick around. You never know. You never know. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it doesn't take, honestly, I tell people, if you don't believe me and you shouldn't come to campus and meet our student athletes, literally. I mean, t- talk about, Honestly, every day that I get to spend talking to them, like when I get the blessing of talking to our SAC, I'm like, these kids are so intelligent, so well-spoken. They, you know, they're just, they're a highlight. They really are. And um, I, I can't, I honestly don't know how some other universities, you know, how they do the recruitment, but I can tell you at Transy, our kids, boy, they sell the place. <laughs> That's all you need. Well, um, on that note, Holly, that's a that's a heck of a sales pitch. I think you uh, should be on a commercial for Transylvania University. Um, thanks again for spending time with us and imparting on us your wisdom, and you know all the best to you all this fall and winter as you navigate whatever society and culture and COVID brings to us. I know you'll be successful. Well, thank you, you too. Like I said, it's such an honor to be on here. Appreciate talking to you all, uh, talking to you. And I, I, and I've said this before, and not just saying it as a podcast. You know, one of the reasons I said yes to this was because I have such admiration for what you all do at MSA. Oh, um, you all really do a great job. And um, you know, there's a lot of businesses out there that don't do the kind of job you all do. So thank you for that. Thanks so much. Some Holly. of my kids would thank you today too, because they're, they're in some great facilities because of you guys. That's all right. And I, I love that. I, I will say the, that softball dugout is a heck of a lot better than it used to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not even close. Not even close to the same. All right. Well, thanks again, Holly. We appreciate it. Yeah. It's good talking to you. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Building ideas is presented by MSA design to learn more about MSA design visit us on the web at www.msaarch.com.